Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive, though I have to warn you, if you go to my Instagram, it's mostly just food and dogs. So, you know, there's stuff there. You know, I I wanted to be a little bit more human. You may find this hard to believe, but I have been accused in the past of being a little robotic. I know. Shocking. Who could possibly have thought that? And so in the effort to humanize me a little bit, I thought, well, people like food. Everyone likes dogs. If you don't like dogs, you're obviously a terrible person. So yeah, don't come at me with that cat nonsense. I don't, I'm not interested in your cats. I've met like less than a handful of reasonable cats in my entire life. Dogs are clearly the superior species, but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about AFC East special teams coordinators and ranking them. Now, one of the things that's interesting about this discussion, as opposed to the previous ones, is you have to agree upon a method by which to rank them. You may have heard me talk a lot in the AFC East defensive coordinator discussions about points against. And in offensive coordinators, you heard me talk a lot about points for. And I went into some deep dives on some rushing yards and some situational stuff. But how is it best to measure special teams coordinators? And so I had two methods that I like using. The first is I actually enjoy special teams DVOA from footballoutsiders.com. I enjoy that method of measuring special teams. I could go on an entirely different discussion about DVOA. I have in the past. So please go back and find the methods of measurement pod of the Nick and Nolan show. And you'll hear me talk ad nauseum about DVOA. But in addition to that, one of the most well-respected journalists who ranks special teams is Rick Goslin. Now, Rick Goslin is out of Dallas, Texas, and is widely considered to be one of the best compilers of special teams data. He ranks everybody's special teams year over year and media across the country utilize it. So those are the two methods I will be using to describe special teams efficacy. Now, there are situations that go into that. It's not as simple as just ranking them from 2019 and going, whoop, there you go. Like, that's not it because there is efficacy here. There is a matter of what type of personnel you had. There's a matter of losing your all-pro returner or gaining an all-pro returner, making something out of nothing, making good kickers into better kickers, making good punters into better punters. This is all part of being a special teams coach. And so 
we're not going to just rank them based on that, but those are going to go into them. So we're going to start with number four because that's where we've been starting. And we're going with Danny Crossman. Danny Crossman, the Miami Dolphins special team coach. You may remember him as being one of the main holdovers into Sean McDermott's staff and eventually got let go last year at, I think, the behest of pretty much everybody who followed the Bills at that time. In 2019, the special team's DVOA for the Miami Dolphins was 22nd in the league. They were 24th in Rick Goslin's rankings. Now, they do get some credit for what's called the Mountaineer shot versus the Eagles. That was the trick play that involved a... Goodness gracious, how do I explain this? Imagine having your extra point personnel on the field, but not in that formation. So the punter was lined up in the shotgun behind the center, and then everyone else was spread massively to the left and massively to the right, but in a compliant formation. There were the correct amount of players on the line of scrimmage, and the punter took the snap and started running to his left as if he was going to try and sneak it into the end zone, And then when the defense collapsed on him, he shuffle passed it, passed the defense into the end zone for a receiver who had leaked out from the left side of the formation to catch for the conversion. Now let's add some spice. The puncher threw it to the receiver I just mentioned. The receiver was the kicker. So the punter shuffle passed it to the kicker when they lined up for a field goal but went for a touchdown instead. It was essentially the most bonkers fake field goal you've ever seen in your entire life. And they absolutely do get credit for it because it totally worked. And that matters. Having Preston Williams, who returned all of two punts in college, come in and be third in the NFL in punt return average, that matters. Jakeem Grant, Being seventh in kickoff return average with 25.1 yards per kickoff return, that stuff matters. The coverage unit was just not good. The kicking wasn't great. The punting wasn't great. But it wasn't terrible. Danny Crossman goes to fourth, but it's not like he was the worst in the league. It was just below average overall. But there were some shining moments. The third person on this list is Heath Farwell, the Buffalo Bills special teams coordinator. The Bills in 2019 were 16th in special teams DVOA, and Rick Goslin has them 12th in his ranking. So very middle of the road, very reasonable for Heath Farwell's group. And a lot of people want to talk about Hauschka and how there were some issues with Hauschka last year. You know, one of the things I think is interesting is that Sean McDermott ended up adjusting for Hauschka's issues because really... He only missed two field goals inside of 50 yards. That's it. Everything else he missed was outside of 50 yards. That's where Hauschka's problem was, which was interesting because earlier in his career, he was a big-legged kicker. And Sean McDermott, when he was discussing what type of kicker he would prefer to have, openly mentioned that he'd prefer someone with the leg because it gives him more options. He wants that someone. And Hauschka used to be that guy. But he's not that guy anymore. He's not that guy anymore at all. He had an issue 50 plus, but inside 50, he was okay. Having Andre Roberts be fourth in kick return average at 26.6, being eight yards per punt return, it's again, reasonable. I think it should have been better. Andre Roberts was better in New York 
than he was when he came over to the Bills. He wasn't bad last year. He was reasonable last year. I think he was above average. And more importantly, there was absolutely zero issue when Andre Roberts went to field the ball. Yeah, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills sometimes. People are like, oh, we'll just throw Isaiah McKenzie back there. Do you not remember holding your breath every time Isaiah McKenzie went to field a punt for fear that he was going to botch it? One of the most important things you can do in this league is not turn the ball over. And we think about turnovers just as a quarterback thing. Oh, you throw the ball, don't throw interceptions. But think about the swing that is associated with making the stop on defense, getting the punt to come your way, botching it and giving it back. That is basically the same as them going forward on fourth down, throwing a Hail Mary and getting it. It is that significant of a play and you cannot let them have it. You cannot let the opposing team have it. At least secure the ball. The number one thing I want for my punt returner is don't botch the return. Field the ball cleanly. And Andre Roberts, every time, like butter. Never an issue. And he's a good returner. But overall, it was middle of the road. It was We had some, some penalties early on. Lorenzo Alexander was associated with some of those. And it cleaned up a little bit as the year went along. This year, my anticipation is that the special teams for the Bills be better because we went out and we acquired Taiwan Jones, who's an upgrade from Sonoris Perry. We went out and we acquired Tyler Matikavich, who's one of the best special teams linebackers in the league. I would expect this to be better this year, but it was just okay last year. Just okay. The number two special teams coordinator in the AFC East is Cameron Accord, New England Patriots. Now, very important to note, why is he number two, even though the Patriots had a good special teams? Year over year, they have good special teams. It's because this is going to be his first year doing it. If you remember correctly, Joe Judge, the New England Patriots special teams coach, is now the head coach of the New York Giants. Real quick side note, some of the best coaches you know were special teams coaches. Most notably, John Harbaugh and Marv Levy. Special teams coaches need to get more bites at the apple when it comes to head coaching interviews because the things that they do well translate, which is being able to maximize lesser talent. You don't put your starters on special teams for the most part. You shackle your special teams coach with undrafted free agents and late round picks and say, dude, make it work. If you don't, I'll fire you. Oh, by the way, you can't extend any of their contracts because they're not worth it. Hopefully you can get some defensive backups who are also good and we're going to force you to scrap and scrounge during cutdown day to make sure you have decent players. They are dealt the worst hand of any coach on the staff and they're told to just make it work. And the ones who do need to be looked at for their creativity and their ability to maximize talent. Now, I'm going to get down off my soapbox for a brief second and talk about Cameron Accord. We've talked a little bit as we've gone through these rankings about how much you can wait a coach who's never done that before. With Cameron Accord, you can wait it a little bit because he was the assistant special teams coach last year. So he gets a little bit of credit. It's not like he's coming in from an offensive quality control assistant. He gets some credit for what the Patriots did in 19. And what did the Patriots do in 19? They were 10th 
in special teams DVOA and third in Rick Goslin's rankings. There are some question marks with Cameron Accord, for sure. And the thing that you have to understand about the Patriots is that the special teams cabinet is stocked. Absolutely stocked. Matthew Slater, Nate Ebner, Brandon Bolden, Justin Bethel, four elite special teams players. Slater is widely considered to be the best special teamer in the league. He, Ebner, and Bolden all blocked kicks. Bethel recovered two fumbles, and Slater recovered one, and Slater also scored a touchdown on a blocked punt, as did rookie Chase Winovich. You know all about that, don't you, Bills Mafia? Bill Belichick has always had good special teams. He became the head coach of the Patriots in the year 2000. Since then, his special teams have finished in the top 10 in 14 of the 20 seasons since then. So I know Bill Belichick has an influence on this because he's kind of cycled through special teamers. Matthew Slater has had a big impact on that. And that stuff matters. But I can't put Cameron Accord at number one because, number one, I'm not sure how much difference there will be this year in the special teams because Joe Judge did a good job. And I think Belichick has a lot of influence on that. So I was willing to put Josh McDaniels at number one because I don't think Bill Belichick has a ton of impact on the offense on that team relative to the amount of impact he has on defense and special teams. But with defense and special teams, I see a lot more of Bill Belichick's hand in there. And so you have to take that consideration when you're ranking these coordinators. The number one special teams coordinator on this list is Brant Boyer. You might not even know who Brant Boyer is, but let me learn you some things, folks. Let me talk to you a little bit about this. The DVOA for the New York Jets special teams last year was third. The year before that, it was first. The year before that, it was 27th. The year before that, it was 32nd. Well, Bruce, he's only had two good years out of four. When he got to the New York Jets, their special teams were absolutely in shambles. Here's what he's done since then. Improved every year. They were eighth last year in Rick Goslin's rankings. He got a all-pro season out of Andre Roberts. He got a second-team all-pro season out of Jason Myers, who he picked up off the scrap heap, who was his kicker. He lost both of them in 18 and still ended up being third. Lack Edwards, who's their punter, is the top 10 punter in this league. He coaxed the fourth best punt return average in the league out of Braxton Berrios, who they picked up off the scrap heap. Braxton Berrios wasn't even with them in the offseason. He was claimed on September 1st by the Jets after he got cut by the Patriots. He got cut by them, and the Jets came in, swooped him up, and he ended up having a really good season returning punts, even though he wasn't there to learn any of the stuff during the offseason. Why? Because Brant Boyer is a darn good special teams coach. Vincent Smith, their kicker turner, perfectly reasonable. So he lost his second team all-pro kicker. He lost his all-pro punt and kick returner and still managed to have a top five special teams from DVOA top 10 in Rick Goslin's rankings. Brant Boyer is one of the best special teams coaches in the league. He deserves to be number one, and I don't think it's close. I don't think the gap between him 
and Cameron Accord is really that close. Before we get into the almighty takes, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to go through all the takes you guys sent me. Stick around. Be right back. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Bruce Exclusive. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. We just finished ranking all of the special teams coaches in the AFC East, and I went through them quickly, and I made sure I went through those things quickly so that we could get to the first edition of the hashtag Almighty Take. I'm going to go through your almighty takes. I'm going to react to your almighty takes as they relate to special teams. As a reminder, make sure to find me on Twitter, follow me, and then hit me with a hashtag almighty take for next week. The topic is the effect that this weird offseason will have on sports, football, players, something. So the effect that that will have on this particular upcoming football season or sports season, throw whatever you like out there. That's going to be the almighty take for this week. Make sure to hashtag almighty take so I can find it. And I'll read them off next Friday when we talk a little bit about the effects that this will have on teams. So we're going to start at the top with Andrew Ensign, who says at Bruce exclusive, his almighty take is the defensive line losses of Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson do not concern me as much as the swap of Kevin Johnson for Josh Norman. I will take away points because it wasn't on topic. The topic was special teams, but I will still respond because you hit me with the hashtag almighty take. I agree with you. I have been well documented as saying that the swap of Kevin Johnson for Josh Norman is my most concerning change. I would very, very, very much like to be wrong, but I totally agree with you on that. Bills rock 12 says his hashtag almighty take is that special teams coaches are too vanilla. Hardly any designed fake punts or field goals actually called in game situations. Not a stat guy, but I'm sure it's around 1%. We just talked about Danny Crossman and his crazy Mountaineer shot trick play. But the weird thing about special teams trick plays is they exist in a very strange probability spectrum. So think about it this way. The time when you would call a fake punt or a fake field goal, is somewhere in the weird middle ground between actually executing the special team's play, punt or field goal, as required, or kickoff return, or whatever the case may be, and going for it. So you have to think that that trick play is going to give you a higher probability of conversion than putting the offense on the field who does that for a living. I think that's the reason why they're so rare. It's not necessarily because the special teams coaches are just really boring because there has to be a weird scenario where you think to yourself, goodness gracious, you know, we got to get fourth and three. We could fake a field goal or we could just use the offense. And I think as you get more and more offensive focused football, you start to see even less of those fake field goals because 
you're having more success with your offense. Why would you run a play intended to gain yards or gain points on from scrimmage without kicking a field goal with your special teams players who aren't used to doing that? And that's not their skill set. So I actually think we're going to see less and less of that as the offensive football becomes more and more prevalent in the NFL. Sprinkle the process says his hashtag almighty take is special teams are overrated. In 2019, the top 10 special teams units, only four made the playoffs. In 2018 of the top 10 special teams, only four made the playoffs. Source, footballoutsiders.com. So he used the DVOA like I did. I agree that special teams are overrated, and that's because they're not a third of the game. I think one of the things that was interesting about watching the you know top players not in the Hall of Fame on NFL Network, and Steve Tasker was there. Steve Tasker's going to come up again, by the way, in this hashtag almighty take discussion, is that people say, oh, special teams is a third of a game. It's not a third of a game. It, uh, the only way you can make it a third of the game is if you just cut it offense, defense, special teams. But if you cut it any other way, it's not a third. If you cut it by snap count, it's not a third. If you cut it by dollars spent, which indicates to you how important the teams think special teams is, that's not a third either. So I would agree. I would agree with them being overrated. I will say that what you did was you took the top 10 special teams players and only four made the playoffs, top 10 special teams teams instead, and only four made the playoffs. Well, four out of 10 is 40%, whereas the total amount of teams that make the playoffs is 12. And 12 teams making the playoffs out of 32 is 37.5%. So I actually don't think it's far off. I do agree that special teams are overrated, I'm not saying they're not important, but they're they're certainly overrated in the sense that they're not a third of the game, and anyone who tells you that is wrong. I don't think that's a great method of measuring them, that, you know, go, hey, top 10, four make the playoffs, because by that stance, 40% of the top 10 make the playoffs, only 37.5% of teams in the entire league make the playoffs. That, That seems about right. Patrick Henderson says that the presence of Josh Norman makes it much more likely that Robert Foster makes the team. Taiwan Jones is one gunner. I can't see Norman or Wallace gunning. Taron Johnson was a backup gunner last year, so he could conceivably do it. But even then, unless Gabe Davis can do it, you have no depth at that very critical role, which is even more critical given the inconsistency of Boho, Corey Bohorkas. And you're relying on a guy, Taron Johnson, who can't stay healthy. Are you going to risk us losing a game due to a punt return so that Isaiah McKenzie can fake a few jet sweeps? So all in all, the addition of Josh Norman really helps the ability of Robert Foster to make the team. I really do. I really do like this take. I think that it's it's unique. I think that having Robert Foster make this team, it's going to have to be on special teams. Like that's going to have to be where he makes his hay. Obviously, Kevin Johnson is not here anymore. So we're going to have to find somebody else for that second gunner spot. And there's lots of different options for that spot. But if Robert Foster is one of them, that could actually increase the chance that he makes the team. And if he can also do the jet sweep stuff, which we saw a little bit of last year, a very small amount of, and he's got the wheels for it, then that could allow him to carve out a nice little role and make this team. Pete Nana says, Hauschka and Bass will be kickers in the AFC East in 2020. Bass for Buffalo, Hauschka for the Jets. Hashtag almighty take. Wow. Okay. This is now we're, we're cooking with Crisco. Now I can see it. I can absolutely see it because as we've established earlier, Brant Boyer has a way of taking kickers off the trash heap. And if we cut Hauschka, 
there's a reasonable assumption to be made that somebody would pick him up. I don't think it's crazy at all. William Grant says, who is your ideal kick return and punt return guys for next season? Can they play any other role for the Bills? Okay, now, important. We're still figuring each other out. This is a Q&A. I don't do Q&A here, man. You give me the A's, and then I'll give your A's about your A's on your A's because your A-T's almighty. Yeah, that, totally that. I'll answer it, but remember, you got to give me a take. It's Andre Roberts for both. I am not comfortable with anybody else on this roster returning kicks and punts. And I'm really happy with the role and the job that Andre Roberts did last year. For me, it's Andre Roberts to both, and it's not close. I have no interest in cutting him and letting Isaiah McKenzie take kicks and returns, uh, kick and punt returns at all. Mike Hurley says, McDermott's growth mindset pushes him to keep Hauschka over Bass, going for it over long-distance field goals. However, a blown conversion cost the Bills at least one game and everyone blames one play on the lost. Oh man, Mike, Mike, you hurt me. You hurt me deep in my soul by bringing this up. I don't think it's crazy though. I mean, when you spend a six round pick on a kicker, it's not like you're locked into that person. I think if Hauschka found his form again in the off season, all those long field goals, I can see it completely reasonable that we would pick Hauschka over Bass. I think that it's it's a threat for sure, but keeping Hauschka over Bass is not insane at this point if he finds it. Now, one of the things that I think is interesting about kickers is kickers sometimes have an injury and they just never come back from it. They just never get their swing back. And that's what Hauschka, happened with Hauschka. So he might never get his swing back. Jared Scroggins says, his almighty take is, I want my punters to be ex-Aussie rules football players because nothing sparks momentum and excitement more than a punter running for a first down, especially if they lower their head and deal punishment while doing it. I'm, I'm for it. Unless you get Brian Mormond, unless you're in the Pro Bowl and Sean Taylor takes your block off, in which case you have to have your, you know, your Chad Ochocinco wide receiver kicking punts for you. You have your kicker back there going, I don't know, which way do I flip the football again? So... On one hand, yes. On the other hand, backup punters are not typically things we carry, so maybe don't expose them to a ton of injury. Okay, Thomas at Fenian1978 says, special teams take. Coverage is replaceable. Kicking is virtually replaceable. The only thing that matters is your punter. Being able to flip a field is the most important special teams attribute, in my opinion. Well, okay. Those are two competing statements because the only thing that matters is your punter and then being able to flip the field is the most important special teams attribute. I agree with one of those statements and I disagree with the other one. I agree that being able to flip the field is the most important special teams attribute. I agree with that because I don't like going for long fields, any long field goals anyway. I want to go for it at that point. So short field goals, I, it's a lot easier to find someone who can hit short field goals. And as far as punting goes, it's a lot harder to find a good punter than it is to find a kicker who can kick sub-50 and sub-40 yard field goals. So I agree with that. But I don't think the only thing that matters is your punter. I do think that being able to flip the field is the most important special teams attribute. I would agree with that. At SuperTutor13 says, enjoy both of your shows this week. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Jack. I really appreciate that, man. Here's my special team's take, although it's not very original. In my opinion, Steve Tasker is no doubt a Hall of Famer, a feared weapon on special teams. Yes, I believe Steve Tasker is a Hall of Famer. If you are the best all time at what you do and what you do is of reasonable importance, then what else could you expected him to do? 
Steve Tasker is the greatest special teams player of all time. Matthew Slater is going to have an argument about that, but I believe Steve Tasker is better. His head coach did not want to waste him on offense because teams had a game plan against him on defense. When you listen to Steve Tasker talk about the way that he had to handle his punt gunning situations a lot like pass rushes and said, well, you know, I already used that move on him this particular game. Now I have to use a different move like pass rushing. I think that that really speaks to the depth of the skill that goes into doing it at a high level like he did. I think it'll be very hard for any special teams player to get in the Hall of Fame moving forward because the diminishment of special teams is real. And it used to be a lot more important than it is now. But I think Steve Tasker is a Hall of Famer, yeah. I think he's just as important as, as Ray Guy, Morton Anderson. I think he's an absolute force to be reckoned with. I think he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. At... J-A-O-H-L. Never know how to pronounce that name. Never do. Says his almighty take is Christian Wade's only path to the roster is through Andre Roberts via the punt return and kick return position. I can see that. But do you really want to have two running backs on the active roster who are there for special teams? Because we already have Taiwan Jones for that. So I don't know if Christian Wade has a path to the roster. I really don't. Unless there's an injury. I don't know if there's a case to be made that Christian Wade's going to make the active roster. I could be wrong, but I think it's very, very, very small. Because if you did keep him and you kept Taiwan Jones, you have Singletary, you have Taiwan Jones, you have Zach Moss, and you have Christian Wade. And two of the four people I mentioned actually play running back. Christian Wade, I don't trust to carry the significant load at running back. I don't think anyone thinks that's a really hot take. So he's there for special teams in that case. And Taiwan Jones is also there for special teams. Also, fielding punts is kind of a challenge. So I can see that. I can totally see it. I don't know if he has a legitimate path to the roster even through Andre Roberts. Dan Cleary says, I believe both Tyler Bass and Steven Hauschka make the team. Hauschka will be the starting kicker and Tyler Bass will have a kickoff duties. Tyler Bass could also come in for 50 plus kicks, but the Bills will keep Hauschka for his poise and leadership. I'll disagree with the take because I don't think Sean McDermott's going to keep a kickoff specialist. When you look at Sean McDermott, I think his roster valuations are different a lot than Rex Ryan. Sean McDermott doesn't even keep three quarterbacks because he values the roster spots elsewhere so significantly. And if you're not a coach who is going to keep three quarterbacks. I don't think you keep a kickoff specialist. That's my opinion. At Bills Backers KC says, his almighty take is that special teams quarters make great head coaches because they are used to having managed players that are thought of as leftovers or depth on an NFL roster. Did you read my mind, primetime KC Bills Backers at Bills Backers KC? Is that what's happening right now? Are you reading my mind through Twitter from June 12th? Because that's, if that's the case, you can manipulate space and time and we need to have a chat about your superpowers. Because I already talked about that earlier. I agree 100%. Special teams coordinators need to be considered for head coaching jobs. I'm off my soapbox now again. I got on it for a brief second again and I'm back off now. Leston T. Harris says his almighty take is, since this has to be a special teams related, the only returner worth paying any real money to is the best in the league. Anything else is throwing your money to wall. I'll disagree with that. I'll disagree with that. And here's why. I think that the Isaiah McKenzie to Andre Roberts swing is significant enough 
And the market for return specialists is depressed enough that it's worth paying market rate. Now, if market rate was $9 million a year for a returner, then I wouldn't do it. But that's not where the market is for returners. And so I think it would be worth it because the swing between the least paid returner in the league and the most paid returner league is not as significant as the swing in ability from the worst returner in the league to the best returner in the league. Chris D'Ambrosio says, his almighty take is Bass could be a bad fit for the Bills. His bigger leg could hinder McDermott's tendency of going forward on fourth down and plus territory, which analytics supports. Only benefit would be game-winning situations. This is really interesting. I mentioned this a little while ago on a pod, and I said, you know, Sean McDermott's aggressiveness on fourth down is awesome. I sure hope he did it for the right reasons. I hope he did it because the analytics supports it instead of doing it because he didn't trust his kicker at long range. We'll see this year. We will definitely see this year. This is an interesting take. I'll be interested to see how this plays out if Bass makes the team. Extend prime time, prime time McBean at BuffWagon819 says his almighty take is that Robert Foster makes the roster over Isaiah McKenzie. Mentioned that earlier. Think it's an absolute possibility. If Robert Foster shows he can do the things Isaiah McKenzie does for the jet sweep stuff, I feel much more confident, confident with Robert Foster making the team because he can gun on special teams and he can do that thing. The thing that bothers me about Isaiah McKenzie is he only really does that one thing. And you want that lumped into something else so you don't have to waste a roster spot on it. I'm with you. At Hardy Trey says his almighty take is this. Having exceptional special teams with a decent quarterback is better than having an exceptional quarterback with decent special teams. Oh, no, Trey. No, 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 no. Come with me. Come with me to the dark side and understand that quarterback play is the most significant impact on winning and losing. Now, it's not so significant that you can attribute wins and losses to a quarterback because we all know that wins and losses are not a quarterback stat. Check the Twitter profile for more information. But I would much rather have an exceptional quarterback with decent special teams. I appreciate the heat of this take, Trey. It is arguably the hottest take we've had so far. I'll disagree, but I appreciate the heat. You brought the heat like my chicken paprikash earlier this week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure you're following me on Instagram because I post all my food and stuff on there because my wife is an unbelievable cook. So, at the Joe Marino, hey Joe, says, hashtag almighty take, Heath Farwell in year two, not only as the Bills special teams coordinator, but as a lead special teams coordinator in the NFL, is an underrated factor in the continuity discussion with the Bills. His knowledge of the personnel and the personnel to his scheme techniques should lead to improvement. I agree with this. I expect there to be uh, impact on the special teams. I expect a good special teams unit. Not an okay one, a good one. Not necessarily a great one, not the best, but a good one. Because you can't argue that he doesn't have the continuity, because he does. Taiwan Jones, as mentioned earlier, is an upgrade over Sonoris Perry. We brought in Tyler Matikiewicz. He's got the personnel that he wanted to have last year, but he didn't really get the way we wanted it to get. Because Maurice Alexander didn't pay out, plan out the way we wanted him to. He didn't pan out. And Sonoris Perry got upgraded by Taiwan Jones. So there's no excuse from a personnel standpoint. So I think the coordinator being the same matters. And I think we'll see improvement. I think we should. Ben Scott says the Saints onside kick to start the second half in Super Bowl 44 is the single greatest call for a special teams play ever. Context is critical to truly appreciate it. I agree with you. 
I went back and I thought about some of the best special teams plays I've seen, one of which we're not going to talk about here. <clears throat> anyway, this is why this is better than that one. The other special teams play that will not be named was called out of desperation. They had to make something happen in that game. The Saints onside kick to start the second half in Super Bowl 44, they didn't have to do that. That was an aggressive call, and it set the tone for that game. I think that matters. I agree with Ben. Greatest special teams call ever. Calvin Bratcher, Calvin the Cool, at Calvin the Cool. I like that. He says, regardless of who the Bills kicker is, McDermott will continue to be aggressive and go for it on fourth and short instead of kicking deep bombs due to his commitment to analytics and growth mindset. So Calvin has an inverse take to a take that Chris D'Ambrosio had a few minutes ago. I appreciate that. The two of you need to chat up, meet up, have a chat about this, have a debate, and then tell me what the solution was. Tell me what who won the debate. Because this is an interesting one. And I've talked about it before. I just talked about it. And I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. Nate the Cheeseburger Walrus, my man, came through and said, at Bruce Exclusive, I love the new pod. Very well done. And I've got an all-matey take of the week for special teams. Thank you so much, Nate. I really appreciate that. I really am loving doing what I'm doing. I love this so much. While I'm here talking about this, Make sure you go to the iTunes store, put in however many stars you feel like is appropriate and give me your feedback on what you like about this pod and how you're feeling about it. Because I'm, I'm really excited about it. I've really enjoyed doing it. And I think doing it solo is weird, but this segment right now is helping. It's helping because I feel like I'm talking back to you guys. His take is... Nathan Cheeseburger Walrus's take is Buffalo Bills' Tyler Bass beats out Hauschka and is a massive difference for the team this year. Finally, a dependable kicker that can hit from distance on a consistent basis. I think that's what the Bills intended when they drafted him. They drafted him because they want someone they can trust. I don't know how often they will. That's a discussion we already had. But they want someone they can trust from distance. And we know Tyler Bass has the leg. Find him on Instagram or something. Holy crap. Dude's got a cannon attached to his right thigh. So I think this is a reasonable take. I think it's a high probability of this happening. Christopher Cosmark says, Almighty take, Tyler Matikavich will be the best Bills special teams player since Steve Tasker. Holy crap. There's some heat on this take. If you look back at some of the special teams players since Steve Tasker retired, you get names like Sam Aiken, Mario Hagan, Dominique Stevenson, some of these players who you kind of forgot were on the team. Jabari Greer was a really good special teams player as well. I really thought Jabari Greer was horribly underrated. I actually thought about mentioning him yesterday when I did the pod with Joe Marino, and it was word association, and he said, give me the most underrated Bills defensive back of all time. I was really close to saying Jabari Greer. If you haven't listened to that pod, go listen to Locked on Bills. Make sure you do that. But I think I'm going to agree with this because Tyler Matakiewicz, led the league in special teams tackles in 2019. In 2017, he was still top 10. He was ninth overall. In 2016, he was top 10 again. 2018 was not, not a great year for him for special teams tackles, but consistently top 10. When was the last time the Bills had someone who was consistently top 10 in that category? Yeah, I'll go with that. I, I, I think I'm comfortable saying that. It took me a minute to kind of go through some of these players 
when I was researching for this pod and I was like, oh, you know, uh, maybe Javari Greer, you know, Pearson Prelu. You guys know how I feel about Pearson Prelu. But yeah, I'm going to agree with his take. Patch says his first almighty take is that special teams will win three games with one of them a playoff game. Holy crap. Patch, my man, bring in the heat. I don't think special teams can be responsible for winning three games for this team. I, I think that we would need a lot more. I mean, winning three games due primarily to special teams. Winning one game due to special teams is a lot in a year because of how few the snap counts are on that side of the ball. So I'm going to say no, a little over aggressive, maybe a bit too far, but I like where your head's at. Shali Samba says the Bills will lose at least one game because Hauschka hits a 50 plus yard field goal in the last second of a game. I think you mean the Bills will win at least one game or the Bills will lose at least one because he misses it because I don't know how they would lose it if he hit it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take both sides of this. I'm going to say the Bills will win at least one game because Steven Hauschka hits a 50-yard field goal. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I think it's absolutely possible. I think it's fairly improbable because I don't think that if he does make the team, it will be because Bass probably has some inconsistencies. And more likely it's due to that than he refound his form at 50. So he may not get a lot of opportunities. Now I'm going to take the other side of this, which is the Bills will lose at least one game because Hauschka misses a 50-yard field goal. I think that's probably a little bit more reasonable because I I don't think the probability is high of him getting back his 50-yard leg that he had before. Andrew Ketchum says the Bills will lose one or two games this year for no other reason than statistical regression from the lowest opposing field goal percentage in the league in 2019, which was over 20% below league average. I love this. I love this take. One of the most underrated parts of the Bills winning close games last year was that they played against a bunch of kickers who couldn't make field goals. The Jets and the Titans game are notable ones. The Bills need to be prepared to be better in close games with the offense and defense being able to put people away. I love this take. I think it's reasonable to assume the Bills could be better this year and have a similar record overall. Just because there were some things that were a little bit fluky, and this is one of them. Love the take, Andrew. Good job. Justin Napolitano says, at RollBills72, If by chance Robert Foster doesn't make the team, could you see Taiwan Jones and or our beloved Brit Christian Wade stepping into Foster's role in special teams? Can you see Wade being a gunner? Okay, so again, it's a question. I'll let, I'll let it slide this time because it's the first time. But, you know, make sure it's a take because I want to give you my take on your take. It's, it's an almighty take. I'm going to crown the almightiest take. If Robert Foster doesn't make the team, I can see Taiwan Jones absolutely being a gunner. I think Taiwan Jones is going to be a gunner anyway. I don't know if Christian Wade's going to do it. Like I said earlier in this conversation, special teams is his best chance of making the roster. But the problem is he's a running back. And if you already have a special teams focused running back, that messes with your roster construction and carrying two running backs who both primarily play special teams. Taiwan Jones has, I think, less than 30 carries in his entire career. He's not a running back. He's a special teams player who happens to be assigned to that position. So that's where you kind of have to put him. Having two of those players is too much. Okay, guys, I went through all of them. Thanks for sticking with me. This ended up being longer than I thought it was going to go. Because 
I was preparing myself for the fact that I wouldn't get a lot of responses and then I totally did. So maybe next week we'll try and go even faster. But the almightiest take, my crown almighty take of the week is going to go to at Big Tuna 36, Andrew Ketchum for the take that said the Bills will lose one or two games this year for no other reason than statistical regression from the lowest opposing field goal percentage in the league in 2009 which was over 20% below league average. That is the almighty take of the week. Congratulations, Andrew. I'm giving you invisible Bruce bucks. They are good for absolutely nothing aside from internet clout. They're not even worth Reddit karma. So sorry about that. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thanks for kind of stumbling through the first edition of hashtag almighty take make sure to get your hashtag almighty take in for me next week which is going to be the effect you're going to have a give me a take that the effect of this crazy offseason is going to have on football your team sports could be something else the effect of this offseason give me your take on that hit me up follow me on twitter at bruce exclusive hit me with your hashtag almighty take i will go through them next friday ladies and gentlemen as always i leave you with this Because that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.